Hi, welcome back for another episode of Stepping Forward Podcast. This is Sarah. And I'm Rachel. And we are here tonight with another special guest, Quinn. Quinn, I know you have kind of a close relationship with Rachel. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, my relationship with Rachel is that um, I'm married to her sister, so she is my uh, sister-in-law. Woohoo! Awesome. <laughs> Go sister-in-laws. Woo! <laughs> Gotta love them. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but we're glad you do. It helps. <laughs> it definitely helps, especially in the family dynamics during yes. the holiday seasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Quinn, how long have you been in the family? Um, I've been in the family uh, coming up close on six years as far as being married wise. Okay, awesome. Um, and then is that the same length of time you've been a step parent? Uh, no, I've been uh, a step parent uh, one other time. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about like how long that was, what that experience was like for you? Yeah. Um, I was a step parent to a bunch of teenage kids. Ooh, that's tough. They they were tough. <laughs> they were tough. Uh, it was uh, difficult because they had some addiction issues with um, street drugs. Oh and man! And um, the relationship between me and my ex-wife went uh, downhill because of the fact that um, she had the uh, the idea that she needed to coddle the kids okay. and to make sure that their needs were met. And I was like, no, they have responsibilities they need to do and be responsible for their actions. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it really tough. And um, yeah, that is really hard. And, and teenagers it, are hard. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Teenagers are so hard. And then they really are at an age to take on more accountability. So it's it's really hard when one parent isn't letting them get the consequences of their actions that would actually help them learn and grow. Right. So tell us a little bit about your step-parenting experience this time. What is different? What's the same? What did you learn? All that stuff. Um, what I learned through uh, this coming up step-parenthood, I guess you can call it, um, <laughs> with my wife now, she uh, is a wonderful individual. Um, her son actually has a special need. Uh huh. Jane is her son. And he uh, is severely autistic. He can't he can't speak back. Um, he uh, is nonverbal. He uh, just like a three year old. He likes to do the opposite, as you say, actually. <laughs> sometimes, but he's nine years old, so it makes it extremely difficult at times to handle a child with special needs. But it's quite the adventure and honestly I don't think it would change it for anything in the world. Mm. I love hearing that sometimes in special ed we have this kind of and Rachel and I both work in special ed but we have this um, a view of parents of kids who have special needs and we either think they're like these saints that are so great and oh you're doing something so hard that the rest of us couldn't do um, or we are like, oh, just that's so difficult. How do you do that? But I love hearing that you wouldn't change that. That's really beautiful. Well, the thing is, is you, you learn so much from them. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I can honestly say uh, Shane has taught me patience beyond belief. I was a yeah. pretty patient guy before, but now I have to double think my actions because I need to take in consideration of the situation, the environment that I'm living in when it comes to special needs. A lot of sacrifice, but it pays off in the end. That makes sense. Um, do you have biological children of your own? I do. Okay. Um, I have four kids all together. Okay, cool. They're biologically mine. Okay. So um, did you, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to think, because I don't know your timeline like Rachel does. <laughs> I know, um, and I'm trying to kind of have... let that flow because I, I don't want, because oh if God. I jump in, I'll be like <laughs> working off of the assumption of other people knowing what I know, and that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of helpful. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of your bio kids, where did they fit in between your stepkids, between your son now, your stepson now? Um, they uh, fit in. My oldest son, uh, he came to live with us when he turned about around 16. Okay. And he seemed to fit in pretty well. He did really good for the transition process. That's awesome. Um, in fact, a lot better than I expected a 16-year-old kid to do. Yeah. There was a few times we had to remind him, hey, you know, he's autistic. He's going to have a difficult time understanding, so just be patient. Right. And he adapted very well. Um, my other three kids, uh, they know that I have Shane and he has a disability, but uh, they live halfway across the United States, so I don't see him very often. Okay. I think that could be really an interesting thing in a lot of ways um, yeah. just having them kind of far away so with your son you said he had to get used to the fact that Shane has autism um, yes. but I know for me that was a learning and growing process even knowing a lot about autism um, what things did you feel like were a big adjustment for you um, a big adjustment for me for when I was learning about Shane being autistic is that um Oh my gosh, there's so much. I know. <laughs> uh, it's a huge, it, it's encompassing it so many things. Um, the number one thing I had to realize is that he's in his own little world. He yeah. really is. And um, we have to try to fit in his own little world because he doesn't come to ours very often. Yes. And if he does come to ours, it's just a short few minutes of of um uh, kind of hard to hard, hard to explain he's got these moments of aha and then he goes back to autism it seems like it's, it's kind okay. of strange um so. moments of clarity there we go oh uh-huh and then he goes back to being autistic so if we want to be a part of his world it's really difficult to uh, delve into what he is doing what he's thinking and everything else Mostly because of the fact he's nonverbal. We just don't understand. Right. One of the other things I had a hard time with is his personal, is our personal space. Okay. We're taught for so long we have personal space. Right. No. And he has, he just doesn't care for those personal spaces. And you can tell him all you want and he's still going to get in your personal space. Just yeah. 
that makes sense. Kind of going back for just a second to him being in his own world. I have a brother-in-law who has autism Mm -hmm. and he has a shirt that says, "Um, I live in my own world, but it's okay. They like me there. (laughs) And he's higher functioning, but it just, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a a fun reminder that, um, that he's not neurotypical and that we have to adjust because we are able to be more flexible with that. Correct. And the thing is, is, is we would like to expect them to adjust, but they just don't see the reason. Right. My, yeah. The mindset is, why do I need to adjust? You know, they don't understand the concept of that. They don't understand the social behaviors that they need to adjust, and they just don't get it, you know? Yeah, think, that makes sense. And I think in, in social situations where they're in their own little world, people are going to look at them strangely, and they're going to wonder why or they expect them to come to ours, but they don't see it. This is the world that they've known for so long. And mm-hmm. those little moments of clarity is them looking into ours. It's kind of right. Kind of a sci-fi idea of thinking, but that's the only best that's the best way I can understand it. Yeah. And it is really interesting for kind of for um, our listeners who might not know, kids with autism or adults with autism have a hard time understanding other people's perspective. And that ties into a lot of what you talked about. They don't know that other people think differently than them or have different viewpoints than them. And so it's not a matter of not being able to take other people's perspective. It's just that they literally can't and they don't know how. And so for him to like have those moments of clarity is kind of cool, actually. (laughs) It is. And like I said, it's, it's just those little moments of clarity that only last for a few seconds. Uh-huh. Like you can look at him and start talking to him and you know he's getting it. Then at mid-sentence, he's gone. Okay. You know, it, it's kind yeah. of strange. Maybe this, this, I, I say those moments of clarity, maybe it's, I think that those are the, the information's getting through when I say moments of clarity. Okay. That makes um, sense. And sometimes those moments of clarity still stay longer in the back of his mind because he still remembers what he needs to do such as shane come here uh-huh. uh, sometimes he'll just look at you smile and just take off running giggling uh-huh. and to him that those are that's a game you know yeah it's very and, exciting <laughs> and and I, I tell you what it some days it really wears on you but uh we just get up go get him bring him back and say stay here let's you know put your shoes on mm-hmm. or put your coat on or whatever yeah, um, but then again, there's those moments where you say, "Hey, Shane, come here." He looks at you. You can tell the information passed through, and he walks over and sits down. Okay. Uh, autism is such a unique uh, disability. Honestly, I I think that if we um, we would have to sacrifice a lot of our personal time to make it work for the kids yes and for individuals with autism you have to make sacrifices in your own individual time to make it work otherwise yeah. it can't and it takes two um you your wife or you and your significant other and your child you know you and your wife have to be on board uh, right with each other to get things to work because otherwise it, it just won't work yeah so in terms of um, step-parenting, is Shane's dad involved in his life at all? Um, uh, he, he really isn't. Okay. Um, again, he's across the United States. Okay. Um, 
financially he um, pays his child support and he's really good at that. Uh huh. I can take my hat off to him because of that. Not a lot of dads will do that nowadays. Yeah. So I, I have to say, yes, financially, yes, but emotionally and, and so forth, I don't think he he is. But okay. Uh, anyways, that's another okay. subject. <laughs> no, that's fine. It makes sense. <laughs> Huge another subject. So in a lot of ways for Shane, your role is more similar to that of a biological parent, right? Um, I consider him my own. So okay. I would say... Um, biologically, he isn't mine, but he is mine. Okay. Um, I consider my son. I tell people all the time, change my son. And a lot of people uh, will consider the same thing. It's kind of interesting how that works mm-hmm. out with step-parenting and, and people accepting the fact that they are considered yours. It is, isn't it? It's such a big, people have such varying views on it and they're usually pretty, I don't want to say vehement because that implies anger, but like pretty stringent in their views or pretty strident in their views that like, that I, this is my kid, don't argue with me or they're my stepkids, don't call them my kids kind of thing. Right. So it's been really interesting to see and uh, meet people with that. One thing, thing, sorry, (laughs) you're good. Um, I know that you talked somewhat Quinn about the um, physical boundaries and that kind of thing. And I like Shane, he is actually one of the most physically affectionate kids that I know. He really <laughs> does love that physical contact, um, which is unique to him as far as um, a child with a- autism, because um, that's less common among kids with autism, a lot of them don't like to be touched. So, um, but it really, it's interesting to me because he does that, but it's, it's like he has a sixth, sixth sense about people, right? Like he is more affectionate with people that he, it's like he senses he can trust them. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he was like that with Quinn, with you, Quinn, like right off the bat is like, yeah, that's what Megan said. That's what Megan said. Um, before that, I I had no idea. And it was such a long time ago. So much has changed in the past five years. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to keep track of it all up here. Right. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I see that him a lot with um, certain individuals. And certain individuals you think he'd really attach himself to. And he just has nothing to do with them. It, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. He really does have a like you said kind of like a sixth sense if you want to call it that of being able to um pick people out that who he can really attach to yeah he really can um and then also uh kind of tying into those physical boundaries i've noticed well obviously i've noticed because i've been in your house but like you guys (laughs) have to think a lot about creating safe physical boundaries for him and remembering to put things up higher or lock things up. And that's not something that everyone has to think about, but I do think it's something that parents and step parents of kids with um, different types of disabilities and, or with autism um, end up thinking about a lot. So would you mind talking about that a little bit with how you guys? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, I'd be happy for you. <laughs> it's it's a daily thing. Uh, it, honestly, it's a moment thing by moment because mm-hmm. you have to think ahead. What can he get into? Um, <laughs> we actually had to put a lock on our stove, which I'm sure a lot of people look at us weirdly. You're like, why do you have to lock up your stove? Mm-hmm. Well, because mm-hmm. he'd play inside the stove. He'd open up the door, climb on the door, he'd get inside, he'd play in it. So for the feature of being safety concerns, we had to put a lock on the stove to keep him out of it. Um, Another thing we have to do is our bathroom door is always always locked. Mm -hmm. We don't get to have an unlocked bathroom. So if we have to use the restroom, we have to get up and go right then because if not, we'll be fiddling with the door trying to use it unlocked. (laughs) And the reason that is is because I think I have gotten the ability to unplug a toilet very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would probably willing to bet I've taken the toilet off our floor seven times in one beer. Oh my! And it, it's just yeah, he will. Flush it's because he anything. he loves to flush stuff. Doesn't matter what it is. Yep. He will oh. flush it, and he thinks it's the coolest thing ever, and. I get frustrated because I'm the one that has to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And sometimes, it, and sometimes he does it right before bedtime, so I'm up pretty late trying to pour that on clogs. And um, I'm late. And the next day for work, I'm tired because I was up at four in the morning trying to get the stupid toilet done. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's always the object that rolls inside of it so a pipe snake won't work yeah oh no we've had to come up with very creative ways to get it out you know um i think one of the other things we have for safety is we have deadbolts on all our doors going Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. if we didn't have those he'd be gone yeah um another thing we have is we have a a porch an enclosed porch uh we have doors on that to keep him in just in case uh, he gets outside so you have those second set of doors if he gets past that part then we have a chain link fence with um, carabiners on the the little lock the little keyhole that you have for those to keep the fence locked up we have those on there to keep him in um, in her backyard he could probably climb up and over the fence pretty quick which is a four foot fence but there's quite the face he has to climb up in the backyard from the rocks and the dirt and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had an issue with the city because of the fact we wanted to put a six-foot fence up in our front yard. Uh-huh. Well, where I live, you cannot have a six-foot fence next to the sidewalk. Yeah. You can have a four-foot fence and up to 10 feet back. And that's you. That's because of you and be able to see who's coming down the street and so people can see you coming out of your driveway. Well, we had an uh, issue with that because we wanted to do the six-foot fence. We petitioned the city and the city said, well, come up and come up with an essay to um, tell us why you should have it. Uh-huh. And uh, they sent us a, a, a paper that had all these questions on it. And one of the questions was, um, why don't you just let him play in the backyard? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I didn't want to touch that one. With the 10-foot pole, I let my wife handle right. that one. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I just, 
put headphones on because I was scared. Uh, she was really upset over that. She's like, seriously? Understandably. Why don't you make your kids play in the backyard? It's right. it such a dumb question. I, I'm sorry. But <laughs> that was a dumb question. Right. Well, and, and especially so, for a kid who runs. Yeah. It's not like right. you can just make them do that. They just leave. <laughs> right. it's, yeah. It's like if he's escaped well, out the front door and through the porch and you're trying to just keep him corralled long enough so you can catch up with him. You can't uh-huh. be like, oh, could you escape mm-hmm. through the backyard instead of the front yard, please, <laughs> Shane? That would be great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and then uh, they responded back after we sent them so this paperwork and the, and the information that my wife wrote down. Um, uh, they said, try to, they said, find a loophole in the law so where you can make it work. And I'm thinking, isn't that your job? Yeah, right. city, you can find a loop of bodies than we can. Well, they couldn't. Me and my wife scoured the internet for about three days straight. I mean, we were just sitting there just calm and it was fine to calm trying to find a lot. Well, in the um, American Disability Act, they passed a uh, law with that that I believe it's a federal law. I'm not positive. Yes. Um, I could be wrong on that. No, you're right. It's federal. That all... Is it okay? Good. Yeah. It needs to be federal, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And one of the laws in there that said that. Uh, one of the laws in there said that um, the person with a disability has all rights to enjoy all of the property. Uh huh. Yeah. And the city has to make accommodations for that person. Well, reasonable accommodations for that person to enjoy all of the, the property, and that uh-huh. was our key right there. We sent that back. I love um, how we gave that thorough act. that was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was really thorough. I loved it. And so, and there was also more that came into that, to the, the, the paragraph, but that was the just, the nuts and bolts of that we needed. And we gave it to them and they said, That's, that sounds fine. He says, if you guys move, go 10 feet back from the street and drop the fence down to four feet if you leave. Okay. I'm like, okay, that would be good easy. with that. Uh huh. So, oh yeah, I was I was really good with that. Chain link fence is really easy to adjust. So. Yeah. Good. We're okay with that. See, but like these are the things that um, most people going about their day don't really think about, right? And uh-huh. it's like, okay, it's it's like every aspect of your life. It's like uh, if you're at, at Megan and Quinn's house and you put your soda down. Shane's probably going to get it and either pour it on something or drink it or put it in his mouth and spit it out in the sink. Like if you put your keys down, yeah. you're probably not going to be able to leave on time because y'all got to find the keys first, right? Like if you're lucky, right. you'll find them. Hopefully they're not flushed right. down the toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the kind of constant thing. And I, I, yeah. you know, I hear from parents and step parents with kids with disabilities and you know, it's hard to think all of these things through before you get married and to see every aspect until you're really like in the home and seeing the minute by minute function of the family, family dynamic. And I think, you know, people don't always see that or understand why parents or step parents are so protective of these kiddos. Um, and I think you've done a really good job with that, Quinn, of of really caring and protecting Shane, caring for and protecting Shane. 
and um, also just taking a good good care of Megan so that she can, you know, parent like she needs to, which is one of the biggest roles yeah. of a step parent, I think. You know, and and the thing is, I constantly have to remind her. She always says, "I'm I'm doing a, a terrible job." I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Take a look at the kid in the back seat. He's happier than heck. Mm-hmm. He's having the grandest time. Mm-hmm. You know, you may think you're doing a terrible job because he can't go out and play with other kids often, or he can't just let him go out out in the neighborhood and roam free. If you look at that kid, he's having so much fun in his back seat. He's a happy boy. You're doing a great job. He's going with it. You know, and I, I think a lot of people uh, with children uh, with disabilities, they find themselves to be on the judgment block pretty harshly. Probably a yes. lot with most of other people, but also with yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, get, we get funny looks because we have a dog harness for shame. Well, guess what? Uh-huh. I have no desire to run after a kid that's heading for a main street, a busy main street, you know, I'm going to put them on that, uh, the harness with the leash and I get a lot of bad luck, but I just, when they give me dirty luck, they just from my eyes and keep going like whatever. Yeah. Good. Because that's just what it is. I mean, we, we can't yeah. control the kid. And if honestly, I think if somebody said something, I would, I would love something like that to happen and I can take off and hand him to him and says, you've got him for five minutes. Enjoy him. <laughs> Have fun. And see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Put your running shoes Have on. Have fun. <laughs> Seriously, though, no, it's you've like... you got high heels on. You're not going to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And and it's not just... I think just... that's so... Sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, go ahead, Rach. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's it's not even just the street. It's everything. It's bodies of water. It's, you know... If there's a drop-off somewhere, he's not always, in fact, he's rarely aware of all the environmental factors because he's more focused on the way the light is reflecting off of something or, you know, getting a rock so he can throw it as hard as he can <laughs> um, or, to see how, or th- yeah. you know, throw at different speeds to see how it bounces off of different stuff. But it's, it's constant. Right. It's a constant fear for his safety. And a constant need for eyes on him in addition to the physical boundaries that you guys have already created. Right. And and it's kind of funny because um, the family, my parents, my family, they've learned to adjust to um, the situation that we're in as well. Because for a long time, they didn't understand how come we didn't stay longer for certain Uh things. Um, my family is extremely loud. We've, we've always been that way. It's just who we are. Uh, we're just a loud family. Well, loud noises seem to affect autistic children very harshly. They get overstimulated really quick. So we go right. to my parents' house. We probably stay maybe an hour, and that's it. We, then we got to go home. And they didn't understand it. And they didn't understand it. And I just finally told them, look, this, this is how it works. Um, we would say, when we get home, if he's overstimulated, we're suffering as long, uh, along the side with uh, shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's way overstimulated. And we hear the screams. We hear the, uh, the, the stomping, the things being thrown. We hear, or I'm sorry, we see him running through the house. We feel the 
pinches, we feel the scratches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when he's overly stimulated, we've even been bit a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it, uh-huh. it's for everybody's happiness, we have to make sure we keep him not yeah. stimulated. Sometimes that's very difficult. Yeah. I think there's such a big education piece around this because people don't understand autism, what it looks like, and what things happen when the kids do get overstimulated. And so kind of going back to what you were talking about just a second ago with having the harness for him, um, everybody assumes neurotypicality. For They assume that um, if you're doing something like that, you're a bad parent, you don't know how to control your kid, you just need to teach them better. Um, they assume that your kid should just be able to handle stuff. And they really taking the time to educate people. Um, one is helpful. Two is exhausting, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you're doing it everywhere oh, yeah. you go. Um, but it's kind of what you assume when you take on that role. So what have you found to be really helpful with that? Um, as far as learning how to deal with the, the things that he does and to um, how to teach other people. Uh, a lot of times it's a, a trial and error type thing. Um, my Some people, they just don't get it. You, you, you just can't tell them. They just don't get it. Yeah, right. My parents, uh, they seem to be pretty understanding. I think my parents have probably done a little bit of uh, research. My dad used to work in a state hospital. Oh. He's been around the people with disabilities and, and so forth. Um, he has a psychology degree. He's got uh, a couple other degrees, but he, I think he's very understanding about it. And uh, he, he knows what to expect, what not to expect. And he thinks Shane's a great guy. Yeah, I love that. Love um, and then your mom's a nurse, right, Quinn? No, she's not actually. Uh, she used to work as a phlebotomist. Oh, okay. Um, That's <laughs> that explains retired. the scrubs. <laughs> yeah. I wish we. Uh, I get. I wish she was a nurse. We'd be eating puffed wheat all of our lives when we were growing up for kids. <laughs> as kids. <laughs> so Quinn, I know at first, like I was living on the other side of the country when Megan first told me about you and. I was very protective of her because she had been through so much. And now I know you better. I know you've been through a lot as well. And you you are a very empathetic and kind person. But I do know that my family can be very protective of each other. (laughs) So I, you know, I wanted to ask you about your experience of coming into our family as a step parent. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we've talked about on the show before, because four out of the five of the kids in my family are step parents. Um, So I'm wondering about your experience coming in as a stepfather, but also if there's anything that was done that was helpful to you. Um, Yeah, I guess that's my question. I have another one after that, but I don't want to put too much into one question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're fine. My personal uh, experience with your family is I didn't, I couldn't find another family as good as yours, honestly. And I'm not saying that because uh, Because it's your family. You're like, I want you to like me so much. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Actually, your parents raised you guys extremely well. Our family and your family are very similar in many aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents grew up with the idea that you have to take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. Uh, your family's the same way. Uh, my family was taught, I was taught to um, treat others re- with respect, open doors for women, whether uh, they um, need it or not, open the doors for the elderly. Mm-hmm. You guys are brought up the same way. And to be ca- quite honest with you, um, I've done quite a bit of dating in my past. I couldn't find another family like that. Uh, your your family is fantastic. Um, we we all have our moments where we have our viewpoints maybe different, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to it, we all uh, are brought up in a very very good home. And, and I personally am very thankful for that because I hear about mothers in laws where they're just evil as heck. Oh yeah. And <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I couldn't ask for a better uh, in laws. Um, we all have a sense of humor. You guys give each other a hard time. <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, it, it, it's fantastic. I mean, you guys are, are wonderful with the fact that um, me having a low, low vision, I have a, a visual problem. And you guys are okay with that. You guys uh, have fun with it. And why shouldn't you? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Why shouldn't you? We're just following your lead it. on that one, though, Quinn. It's the blind leading <laughs> no, the blind here. I, I, I see what you did there. Or did I? I'm blind. I don't um, know. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have my uh, glasses as, on, so I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the, the, the visual thing, you know, you've got to have fun with your disability. Yeah. Otherwise, you're taking it way too serious and life your life here on this planet, your existence here on this planet is going to be so rough. Um, I have no problems with uh, making fun of my vision. Oh, man, I'll do it in a heartbeat because it's fun. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's ri- and, it's, and, and it's it fits. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I know people who get really upset and offended over the, the disabilities that they have to deal with, but I'm thinking, why not? Why not play with it? Yeah. You know, uh, it's there. It's not going anywhere. You know, if you keep scratching at the thorn that's in your side, you know, it, it's always going to hurt. Or you can put a smiley face on it and call it good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and that's what we do with Shane uh, as well. Uh, we, we talk about him all the time. We talk about neurotypical neuro uh, families and how... Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, tease, we tease about them having normal families, but, you know, they don't have the children running out in the streets. They don't have the children that, uh, that does fecal spearing at the age of nine. Uh, I mean, we, we tease about it, but when it comes down to it, um, like with the, the disability of Shane, mm-hmm. um, we don't use Shane for the butt of our jokes. We don't do that, no. Right. We use his disability to make fun of our lack of ability to deal with some of those things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we would never make fun of Shane and his disability. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But we will make fun of our inability to effectively parent on the norms level that they want us to, 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 to 
take care of Shane. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in other words, um, he's in, in the middle of, of uh, like we're in a restaurant. He screams. He yells. Uh, he starts throwing stuff everywhere. He dips his bread and his drink. You know, we won't make fun of him about that. We just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, basically, what I'm trying to say is you got to have fun with what you've got in life. If you, again, you know, if you have a thorn in your side, you can either A, cry about the thorn or B, put a smiley face on it and move on. And that's what we tried to do. And I think that's a huge coping mechanism for us. Um, we, we do what we can to take care of Shane. It's, it's not easy, but we do it. Uh, I couldn't do it alone, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, to be, and I am very thankful for Megan because I couldn't do it without her. And um, I don't know how she feels about me, but I, I just couldn't do it. I, it it's so difficult uh, to deal as a, a step-parent with children with needs. It's just very yeah. hard. But, but uh, you got to find the, the heavy stuff in life and make them light by having fun with it. You know, mm-hmm. That just means my vision. I don't care if people make fun of my vision. Not vision. In fact, I'll probably use your jokes later on. <laughs> myself. Please do. I mean, it's great. But uh, we we love Shane. Uh, we think the best of the kid. Um, we always uh, want to do what's best for Shane. We we put a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. in into that. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people don't even consider at all. They just don't think about all the things that go into it. And I would guess, tell me if I'm wrong, I would guess you're talking about ABA therapy. Is that right? Okay. ABA therapy. We had a parent in one of the classes I teach who um, came from, I want to say it was Venezuela. And ABA therapy there was $5 a year. And I was, it blew my mind because wow. <laughs> I was like, how can they do this for $5 a year? But it was so affordable. And I love that it was because it was accessible. And um, for a lot of people, it's not accessible because of the cost. And, and I think it's important to recognize that there are sacrifices that come from that too. Like well, you just talked about. The reason why it's so expensive here is because um, they don't consider it as a cure for autism. So, 90%, uh, I mean, those are probably inflated percentages of the mm-hmm. insurances out there will not pay for it. It's just right. No. Yep. So that's why it's so expensive here is because of the fact that none of these insurance companies will cover it. Yeah. And so we have to foot the bill, all of it. We've seen tons of progression with Shane on ABA therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the only reason why we've, we've kept them on it for so long. If we were making no progression, I just have to tell Megan, I'm sorry, we, we can't keep him on there because it's it, he's not making any money. Or not, sorry, not making any money. <laughs> making any money. <laughs> he, he's not making any major progressions. But since yeah. we put him on there, he's learned to it eat works. pork. He's learned uh-huh. to eat the spoon. He's learned to put his clothes on by himself. I mean... Oh, I didn't know that one. How cool. Phenomenal thing. We, we hand him his clothes. They put your pants on. He can put his pants on. Yes. You know, That's so exciting. Start, it is. It's awesome. <sighs> we tell him to put his shirt on. We kind of have to help him with his arms at first and make sure it's the right way. Then he can put his own shirt on. That's so cool. So yeah. I, uh, 
and that's just a huge progression for a nine-year-old. And, and the thing is, is again, I think the uh, the difficult thing that we have to deal with here in the U.S. is there isn't a lot of outwardly resources that we can use with people or with families who are taking care of individuals with disabilities. Mm-hmm. There I isn't agree. A lot out there. It's it's like almost yeah. non-existent. You know, that yeah. um, you have resources for everything else, but uh, except for families that have to, like for us, we have to buy diapers for Shane. He refuses mm-hmm. to be potty trained. Yeah. And it's not that we don't want to or we're lazy. He just doesn't see the he point won't. or why. Yeah. You know, um, we have to buy, we have to get diapers for him. We have to get wipes. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to change a nine-year-old who acts like a three-year-old uh, oh, yeah. when he's laying on the floor. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. Uh, we've learned how to contort ourselves in certain positions because he's <laughs> not putting his hands in everything. But um, he is, he, he's, he's a very special kid. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't change it for anything else in the world. If anything, it has it taught me to be very patient and it's taught me a lot about um uh for those who are who are christian believers uh to be learn to be very christ-like in many ways selfless Mm -hmm. christ-like acts and not a lot of people want to change diapers on a nine-year-old and that's the thing he needs us and we need him yeah we need him to learn those those uh certain things and he needs us to take care of him so it's a win-win deal all around and you have to stay positive yeah quinn you're actually i i see you as a really good example of having a positive mindset so i know there have been a few times that i've been like really down about something and really just like harping on about it and you're like okay but you can't change that so Let's focus on something else, right? So, um, how'd you get so yeah, good at it, that? You know, um, I, I've had some very difficult challenges in my past, uh, especially with uh, with being in high school, with junior high, um, because of my vision, because I'm so pale skinned, because of I, I have ocular albinism. Mm-hmm. I was the butt of everybody's joke. Aww. And it gets to the point where you just think, there's nothing I can do. Well, if they're going to make fun of it, maybe I should join in with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And after a while, they look at you kind of differently. And uh, you start to, you can't, you can't see yourself as the victim. If you see yourself as the victim, you're always, always going to be in the negative and the wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess you can see, uh, especially when it's something as silly as as as, as this. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm butt of their jokes or whatever. You got to look past that. It won't do any good to sit there and, and be angry and upset. It's hard to do, especially when you're a young kid. Oh, yeah. All you want to do is fit in. Um, but you've you've got to just think of positive in every situation. You got to think, what can I change in this? Okay, I can't change this. I can't change this, but I can change this. Mm-hmm. Um, another ex- a, a instance where, uh, with my uh, stepchildren in the previous marriage, uh, 
I <clears throat> told them uh, they, they, they weren't going to quit doing drugs. They just weren't. Yeah. Okay. I can't keep them from doing that. Right. There's no way I can keep them from doing that. They're going to do it anyways. So I told them, hey, if you're going to do it, fine. Do it, but don't do it in my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can control what's in my house. I can do this in my environment. Um, I did tell them, if I catch it in the house, I will call the cops. There yeah. is no, please don't, please don't, please don't. No, I will call the cops. I don't want it in my house. I can control my environment to a certain extent, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, you... you you got to give options to those. There's got to be a little bit of work there. Um, your kids are going to do whatever they want to do, whether you want them to do it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to control how you react to that. And, yeah. And that's the hardest part about it is controlling your actions. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are times where I just, I just wanted to choke the oldest son, but. I couldn't because, you know, it's illegal and yes. GPS gets involved. <laughs> then you go but, to prison um, and then you don't have any control over anything. <laughs> no, and then you become a child in, in, the, in, the, in the prison system. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, it, 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 he, he frustrated me a lot, but I, I, I just had to tell him, if you want to do this, go to somebody else's house. Uh-huh. When my son got here, he had uh, drug issues as well. And I told him the same thing fine you want to do this go somewhere else if you're going to go and get drunk don't come home until you're sober if you have to call me dad i'm staying here because i'm going to get drunk i'd rather know that than not know where my son's at all night long yeah right you know yeah um, but i did tell him i don't agree with it and i won't agree with it Mm -hmm. and by setting the boundaries for your home that's what i've had to do you know it's it's a little bit harder when you have like ten year olds, twelve year olds. Um, but I always, I always gave my my kids and my stepkids the options they can choose for themselves. Mm-hmm. That way, there's no question. Right. Uh, if you do this, this is the response that you're going to get from me. Let them know beforehand because then they know. Okay, if I do this, Dad's going to get mad. Or dad's going to call the cops because I decided to bring in pot into, my ha- into the house. Right. You know, and I was always fair with them about it too. Um, again, you can do it. Just don't do it here. Uh, I don't agree with it. I don't condone it. But this is my house. You have to respect me for that at least. You know, just like if I was to go to your house later on in life, if you said I had to smoke a joint. Chances are I probably won't come to your house, but um, I would have to respect your wishes in your home. So and, how did your stepkids do with that? Because some of them would rebel and be like, I don't care what you say. They did. My home too. Yeah. They, they, they tried their, their boundaries, but they also got the response that I told them I was going to do. There's mm-hmm. been many times where I called the cops on them uh, because they brought drugs into the house. And they were mad at me. Uh, my ex-wife was mad at me uh, because I yeah. did it. Uh, but guess what? I don't care. This is my house. This is my environment that I want to live in. So as far as that's concerned, sorry about that. I had to move a drink for the cat to knock off. <laughs> You're okay. Um, <laughs> Those dang cats. He, he, 
Yeah. He did rebel. He he tried my tried many times, and he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But he always knew my response. He always knew the response yeah. would be that. Um, you know, I didn't mind they were in the house. I didn't mind them being there. I didn't. I didn't mind it, but I didn't want it there. Yeah. As far as like their presence and stuff. Yeah. Me, me and him didn't get along very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried to be. <laughs> as um uh cordial as possible so that we weren't fighting yeah uh, sometimes that went that direction and i just had to dismiss myself from the room sometimes you have to do that that's so true oh. yeah you gotta put yourself in timeout sometimes <laughs> um yeah. i like that so much though that that you know you're saying you're taking an inventory basically and saying this is what i can live with and this is what i cannot these are my mm-hmm. healthy boundaries and these are the consequences for violating those boundaries. That's, mm-hmm. those are such key steps for uh, just mental health and also for um, to have a healthy mindset, I think. Right. Right. So <laughs> and, look at you. And it, you taught yourself that though, didn't you? I, I had to, I had to, I didn't have, I, I, I didn't look it up on the internet. I didn't, <laughs> I had to think for myself, what can I live with? Yeah. Um, when you go through a couple of bad relationships, you start taking inventory on yourself. What am I doing wrong? Here? Yeah. I cannot yeah. always be in the right in this situation. I had to do something wrong here. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened X amount of times. So right. something's not right here. Yeah. You know, um, when I met Megan, uh, there are things that we we've, we do to um, help each other out. Shane's a difficult uh, child to deal with. So we uh-huh. have one day a week where I go do something, one day a week she goes and do something. Mm-hmm. And those are non-negotiable type things. Yeah. Um, and that's one of us is sick, of course. So yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> on Fridays, I go out and hang out with my friends for about uh, anywhere between four to six hours. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday, she does the same thing. That's at good. At time to get away and to break away. Yeah. Um, of course, we'd let them know what's going on. Of course, they know everything they need to know. Uh, she can call me anytime she wants to. I will always answer my phone calls with her and same thing with her. Yeah. You know, you have to tag team um, with with uh, stepkids. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, being a step parent, they're not going to completely give you the full respect you need because number one, you're not my mom or two, you're right. not my dad. I don't have to do it to say. It's usually what the majority of them will say. Uh-huh. If they're defiant. If they're defiant. Yeah. Um, so you have to tag team it. You have to step in and be a parent. You cannot sit on the sidelines and watch it being your parent. Parenthood is 100%, 100%. That's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Yeah. You have to give 100%. Your, the mother has to give 100% or the father has to give 100%. And the thing is, is um, you have to balance back and forth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A good example with that is before we got Shane uh, medication to help him sleep at night, he would sleep two hours and be up two hours. Sleep two hours. Uh, two hours. So hard. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Megan was going to school at the time. Mm-hmm. So, or well, she was going to go to school at the time. And we, I had to sit down and tell her, so Megan, Either A, um, we got to give it on medication, or B, 
we have to keep going with what we were going off of here, which is taking shifts at night. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'd watch them for part of the night. She'd get up and watch them for the last half of the night type thing. And that's just how we had to do it. Yeah. You guys and were I exhausted. Said, like you were always oh tired. I was always sleeping. And yeah. Megan will tell you this. And I was always, she was always sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like literally I'd sleep half a day. She'd sleep for the other half. Yeah. My gosh. That, I can't even imagine being that I, tired and dealing with that all the time. It would be so, so wearing. But you it, love it, it so much at the same time I too. Do. That I do. Yeah. And I think it's because of the fact he's so lovable and he just have his, he has his funny moments. It's just, it, it, it reminds you of a normal neurotypical kid when he does stuff that just thinks, think to yourself like, why did you just do that? It doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And you have to laugh about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? And um, so we've learned how to, to make those adjustments. Megan decided that, that we probably should try to see if we couldn't get him on something to sleep at night. We tried melatonin. Melatonin got him to sleep, and that's about it. Uh-huh. That's yeah. all melatonin does is help you to get to sleep. It doesn't keep yeah. you asleep. So we had to go to the to doctors and get him medication. Um, every now and then, uh, we'll go through a month where he does it again, and we say, okay, we need to up his dose. Mm-hmm. And so we have to go back to the doctor, talk to the doctor. He ups his dose by a little amount, and that's good enough. Yeah. And so uh, that, that's basically what our life is. And sometimes during the um, daylight savings times, he gets his his clock gets messed up. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Big time. We're up in the middle of the night, and he's up in the middle of the night. You know, it's just recently uh-huh. in the daylight savings. Uh, he was up pretty dang early. And yeah. he said it a couple of times in a row. So we're trying to figure out uh, if it's either the daylight savings time or if he needs it up on his medication. So it's kind of getting around that time where he'll have to up his dose a little bit. Yeah. So we're kind of waiting it out to see what happens. In the meantime, we're getting a little sleep. So we do take shifts on naps. So. And that's, you know... I think with Shane, a lot of um, interesting aspects of parenting and step parenting are are magnified. And really, he needs 24-hour supervision and attention. And you guys really have had to be intentional, intentional about how you plan and parent and uh, take your leisure time and everything is very intentionally planned. Um, which you guys have done a good job with. I commend you for that. Um, I appreciate it, Rachel. Well, I'm glad that you and Megan found each other. It's been (laughs) really amazing to watch you guys on your journey. And I feel like in a lot of ways you just clicked right in like, and I, I know that it probably was pretty difficult and you probably were doing a lot of things behind the scenes that we didn't see, but it seemed pretty seamless from the outside of stuff. So good job. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it. We, we go through our st- struggles, you know, and the, and the best thing you can think of is, especially with children, being a step parent of a child that has a disability, like you said, there it's 24 mm-hmm. seven. It's not like you can send your kids in the bedroom to play for two or three hours and get a little bit of a break. Right. If we send Shane to the bedroom for two or three hours and he's quiet, something's up. Something's wrong. Literally, big time. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And then at that moment, it's probably going to take both of us to clean up the mess. You know, so yeah. <laughs> you have to step in and, 
and, and be the adult. You have to step in, be the parent, and do what you need to do to take care of the kids. They're yeah. here for your, your – your, they need you. They need you. And your best support is your spouse or should be your spouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. They have to be involved. They have in, to be involved. Yeah. yeah. On your same team. Shane, uh, Quinn, sorry, you've had some really amazing insights and really great things to share with our step-parent community. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. You bet. It's been a pleasure. That's it for now. But in the meantime. Keep on dancing. Good. Only want love in this heart. Don't know it all, but it's a start. No room for hate, no room for greed, no room for anger, fear, or need. I only want love in this heart. Anything else would tear it apart. No room for envy. I have enough of just love.